You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers Wednesday edition. A special guest joining us today, as always, on these Wednesday Wednesday episodes. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you, along with today's guest, Mr. Nick Winkler. Breaking down everything going on with the 49ers. A little bit of news, maybe some bad news as it pertains to Mike McGlinchey and the type of injury he has and what surgery means for him with a torn quad, according to at least one medical doctor. We will get into the mailbag and answer some of your questions on today's show. And if any indication from the last couple of shows and Croc off the air just now, I think Croc's going to go in on Kyle Shanahan a little bit more today with some of these questions, but we'll see. We'll see how things turn out. We'll see if, um, if, if Mr. Nick Winkler is a beam of optimism as he usually is on this program. So let's Get going and bring on today's guest. Nicholas Winkler, come on down. DeWink is on fire. Wink, what's happening, my man? How you feeling right now with these 3-5 and five 49ers and a loss to the Colt McCoy-led Arizona Cardinals? I've dubbed you the voice of the fan. I think Croc and I sometimes get a little bit too in the analyst seats here, and we forget what it's like to be a fan of a team and just hang out. And, and I feel like so, a lot of times you have a good angle on the optimistic side of what's going on with the 49ers if things are going bad. So do you still have that optimism here as we approach week 10 of the NFL season in 2021? I mean, obviously Sunday sucked. I mean, that was there's no way to beat around the bush. Like that was a bad, yeah, bad, bad football game. It, it was tough. Uh, there were there were bright spots. I actually want to stink on you guys for a minute because you know I listened to your whole wow. recap on, on the show uh, Sunday night, and you guys didn't mention the, probably the brightest spot for the 49ers coming out of that football game. Maybe the last three or four weeks is Eli Mitchell. Like that guy looks like he is a legit running back in the NFL. He is looking good for the 49ers. He had what four or five catches coming out of the backfield. Like that guy looked good. There's a bright spot. There's something to can't you know, believe it. Hang our hat on, right? And you guys didn't even mention his name. I'm sitting there like, oh, he'll, they'll give a game ball to Eli. Here it comes. No, no, no game ball for Eli. That's all right. I'll well, talk about him on Tuesday. No, I will no, say, Eli. <laughs> in our defense, Wink. The Wink is on fire. I like you coming out of the gate directly at us, though. I, I do like that. And Crocs over here trying to pretend he didn't hear any of that. <laughs> But uh, I will say this. We did mention Eli- Elijah Mitchell. And we mentioned that the game script got away from the Niners and they weren't able to use him as much as they should. Right. But I'm glad you – we didn't really talk about him as a pass catcher because he only had eight carries. But he did have the five receptions on five targets. And that's an aspect – I talked about it earlier on in the season. That's an aspect of Elijah Mitchell's game coming out of college, I thought, that would be the thing that was utilized most. And at the time, we thought it would be, you know um, – Raheem Mostert and maybe Trey Sermon and then maybe I said Elijah Mitchell be like a good receiving threat maybe as a as a part-time player for the 49ers that's something they haven't utilized a lot he's natural catching the ball that one that he that uh, Jimmy had to dump sort of over the uh, offensive and defensive line kind of give it a little bit of arc it wasn't like a deep throw or anything but Elijah Mitchell was like yeah I'm gonna pull down this rebound and go it's just so natural catching the ball I think it's an aspect really in Kyle Shanahan's offense we haven't seen enough of this year is throwing the ball to your running backs and yeah. using them as weapons out of the backfield, not just a check down. And I think Elijah Mitchell could absolutely do that as well. He's a complete running back. So for that, I'm glad you brought that up. 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, that pass was like right in the sun too. He's like looking back, hit him in stride, and yeah, that was that was beautiful. I, I want to see a lot more of that. Just just to to as that safety net instead of the check down, you know, the three yard over the middle to a receiver who gets drilled and you know is out for the rest of the game. You know, like instead of that, let's just dump it off to Eli coming out of the backfield. I feel like most of Kyle Shanahan's drawn up and schemed up passes to running backs are t- to Kyle Juszczyk. Like he's trying to be yep. too tricky. Like get the ball in Elijah Mitchell's hands in space. Right, Croc? Yeah, and I, I like the way Mitchell has been running, whether it's a handoff or in the passing game. And I think yeah. they were maybe trying to go to like Hasty as like the third down back. Mm-hmm. But no, nah, man, use Mitchell like as much yeah. as you can. He does have the banged up uh, ribs, right. though. Right. So you have to be cautious of that. But man, really liking what I'm seeing from him. And I, I really feel like he's getting better each week just with how he runs how comfortable he gets with maybe what they're asking of him. It's a shame that they had to go away from it last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's unfortunate. And clearly that's how Kyle Shanahan wants to operate. He wants to be able to run the ball and getting behind on the scoreboard is really bad for Kyle Shanahan's offense and Kyle Shanahan's scheme. And um, uh, there's a question later. I don't want to, uh, should we get into it now? I don't know if I want to jump into this question already. I, I just want some other thoughts from Winkler first. Are, are you as down on the 49ers as down on the entire organization, Lynch and Shanahan? And um, pretty much every question we've gotten this week to, to jump in on in the mailbag has been something's like, this is what's wrong with the team. And everyone's got a different mm-hmm. opinion of it, but there's a lot of there's enough things wrong to point a lot of different fingers at a lot of different things. Are you down on the 49ers right now? Do you think they could turn it around? It's only halfway through the season, right? And they're still very close to a playoff spot if they want to go make that run. Can they make that run? How do you feel about this team right now, Wink? Yeah, I mean, you, you definitely don't give up on a team like this, you know, because you've seen, you know, little little spurts here and there of like, oh yeah, even in this game against the Cardinals, like they looked really good. They just, they kept making mistakes. Like, if you could just eliminate the mistakes, you're going to win football games. You can't win football games when you're driving and you fumble the ball, and then you do it again later. And, and even just the, the penalty on Armstead, you know, like that was – they were going to get the ball back right then, and then they went down and scored a touchdown a couple plays later. Like, a lot of little mistakes like that just, just are killing this football team. So I'm not ready to give up on them. I feel like, like you said – one game out of a playoff spot right now. There's a lot of football left to be played. We're going to know a lot more about this team come Monday night when they play the Rams. Like that's, it seems to me like that's the kind of game the 49ers are just going to win just because, you know, why not? You know, you go out, you lose the games you're supposed to win, and then you show up against the Rams team that they've owned. You know, Shanahan has owned McVay. So, uh, yeah, I'm not ready to give up. This season's not over. Do not, and to bench Jimmy Garoppolo right now, I think would be foolish. The guy played great. I think he had maybe the best game in a couple of years for Jimmy Garoppolo here last Sunday. So, and, and you see, you know, Ayuk starting to come up. Debo, you know, you got a healthy Kittle now. You know, I'm, I love Mitchell. Juszczyk made that catch along the sidelines. Like, there's a lot to be excited about on offense. Defense, though, that's what scares me the most about this football team. It's tough because the we'd been used to seeing the 49ers defense kind of handle their business, even if it was, right. you know, the bend don't break variety. The floodgates didn't open, and you didn't have guys like James Conner, who has no business running wild on your football team, doing things like that. And that was a bad look, and it was the offense that did okay, but you know maybe not early enough, maybe not often enough on the offensive side of the ball. Croc had a little stink eye going for you when you are talking about how good Jimmy Garoppolo played. Uh, noted Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan hater now. That That's sort of Croc's <laughs> thing. I guess Croc, right? Like, are you do you are you trying to go in on on those guys? Are you, are you disagreeing with Wink's assessment of the performance of the 49ers offense Sunday? 
I guess I can see how that would be his best game in the last couple of years, seeing as though he missed so much time last year. I think Jimmy Garoppolo played well. I thought he did a good job making some throws, but there were also a lot of times setting up receivers, throwing some passes really high. And I just, and maybe my standard for Jimmy Garoppolo is just, it could possibly be too high, but for someone that is not a playmaker in himself, I would like him to be a little bit more efficient of a passer and kind of hit guys when they're open, hit those windows. There are certain um, throws I saw him kind of shy away from making. I've seen him make those throws in the past, but he didn't do it. I saw some people kind of post the clips on the all 22 of it. I think he played well, but not well enough. If it was great, I think he would have elevated this team regardless of what was going on around him, and they would have ended up staying in this game and potentially have a chance to win. I don't, I don't think you could say that he played great when they had no chance to win. I get it. You had two fumbles. That's not good, right? But there have been plenty of times where I've seen even Jimmy Garoppolo overcome two turnovers and be able to still throw the ball, the team back to win the game. And, I mean, he did it against the Arizona Cardinals where he threw two late interceptions and still was able to come back and win. So I get it. The defense didn't play necessarily well. They were kind of really shorthanded. But I don't if, – if Jimmy played great, I think he would have – that would have been him playing well enough to overcome the adversity that the offense had to go through. And he didn't do that. He did play well. So how much of that's on the offensive line? You know, you talk about yeah. Mac and, and Compton, you know, and Brunskill and like that whole right side, uh, the middle, middle right of the offensive line, all graded like under 50 in PFF. Like it was garbage time out there for those guys. And how much are we really going to miss Mike McGlinchey? Like that, you know, we've been complaining about this guy for a few years, but it seems like, well, the alternative is pretty bad. All right, hold on. Actually, I want to pause on that note, Mike McGlinchey. I have a, a new note about Mike McGlinchey and his quad injury. Uh, I think I have thoughts on what you just said, Wink. I think Croc has thoughts on what you just said. I don't buy it. And we are going to get into that. <laughs> Plus your questions next. A real easy way to get a little extra cash in your pocket at the end of the day, especially for those folks who are listening to podcasts and driving in their car a lot, check out the Get Upside app. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up that's up to 50 cents cash back don't pay full price at the pump anymore get cash back using get upside just download the app for free and use promo code touchdown to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank i have the app it's super easy to use you open up the app find out which gas stations are participating near you claim it go there fill up your gas tank as you normally would then guess what you get cash back on that fill up added directly to your account. It's super easy. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, an e-gift card. Just download the free GetUpside app. Earn yourself a little extra cash back when you get gas and use promo code TOUCHDOWN when you do it. All right, Mike McGlinchey, this from Associate Professor of Orthopedic Surgery at UCSF. Uh, director of sports medicine at Benioff Children's Hospital, talking about this injury of Mike McGlinchey, who tore his quad, and the 49ers said he was out for the season. This is what Dr. Pandya had to say about it. He said the key prognostic factor for McGlinchey moving forward is whether the tear of the quadriceps was in the muscle belly, which is a typical non-operative 
injury versus if that tear was in the tendon, which is where you usually have surgery. If it is operative, if it, if so if there's surgery on this quad, the limited data suggests only about 50% of players return to play an NFL game. Oof. And according to Kyle Shanahan with his presser, McGlinchey's, I think, going to have surgery. And I don't know if Kyle Shanahan was wrong on that, where he just heard that he was done for the season, so assumed it was surgery or not. So we'll maybe get some clarification on that. But this maybe is a, a more devastating injury to Mike McGlinchey's career than we thought if it's something that he has to have surgery on this tendon of the quad versus just a normal quad tear in the muscle belly, according to Dr. Panya. And uh, then you don't have surgery you just rest and then you come back next year and you're ready to go so uh, interesting little note there to um to think about when it comes to McGlinchey and will the 49ers need to find themselves potentially a uh, as reliable as possible backup right tackle next year in case he's not ready or potentially a new starting offensive tackle if uh if McGlinchey's never the same but Isn't that po- supposed to be Jalen Moore I mean well, yeah maybe Jalen Moore and I think we might see Jalen Moore this week because to your point wink and this is where I'll push back and the offensive line hasn't been awesome. They had been good against the Bears. And then uh, a few weeks before that, they were really ragging in in one of those games, just really bad, especially at right guard and then and right tackle. Uh, that was against the, the Cardinals the first time, actually. Um, and then you thought they'd be better this week, and Marcus Golden was having his way. Um, but I will say, as much heat as Mike McGlinchey has taken, he is so much better than Tom Compton. I don't think yeah. I saw Tom Compton win a rep after he came in the game. It was that bad. He was awful. So that's something the 49ers can't have is Tom Compton-level right. play out there. And and I think that's one of the things that Croc and I have talked about a lot on this show is uh, it's easy to point to someone who gets beat on the offensive line. McGlinchey especially has some highlight losses as an offensive tackle. But when you look at every team around the league and you look at a lot of the offensive lines, there are some really bad ones. And there's a lot worse offensive line play in the NFL than Mike McGlinchey and Dan Brunskill and and um, Alex Mack or whoever you want to throw under the bus for the 49ers. So I think the 49ers are okay with Mike McGlinchey out there. Maybe you don't want to pay him a ton of money. Maybe, you know, top 10 pick, you can quibble with that. But, man, he's yeah. much better than Tom Compton. The 49ers mm-hmm. might be in trouble if they're trying to run Tom Compton out there all the time. So I will say that in Mike McGlinchey's defense, it's going to be a loss. I, oh, think yeah. that's the, I think that's the issue with McGlinchey. He might not play to his draft stock, like where he was right. drafted. But he plays well. I, I tell people all the time, he's one of the better run blockers in the entire league. And as a pass protector, he's not trash. He's just kind of a little bit more like regular, right? right. Where he's, you know, he'll get beat sometimes and he'll look good. Would like, you ask that you dump your trash on the way out? <laughs> yeah. Everybody <laughs> talks so bad about him. My buddies in the group chat, they talk bad about Mike McGlinchey. And I'm like, dude, he's, you can do a lot worse at yeah. right tackle than Mike McGlinchey. So I'm, I'm glad you said that, Peacock. And that's not the most glowing endorsement either. It's like, well, you could do worse than that guy. But at the same time, <laughs> the thing you can do worse is the as, thing that 49ers have in Tom Compton. Protector. We saw it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. As a pass protector, I'm saying you can you right. can do a lot worse. Like yeah. in the run game, I think he's, for the most part, especially when he's on, like he's terrific. Yeah. But as yeah. a pass protector, he's a little bit more average. But again, you could still, you can do a lot worse than what he gives you at right tackle. But that's not the way people talk about him. I think a lot of it is because of where he was drafted. Right. And it's similar to the... 
Mitch Wisnowski thing. And I want to apologize to the Wisnowski family. I know he had a new addition recently because I badmouth Wisnowski sometimes. And it's always because not his punting. It's always because his draft position. Because yeah. I'm like, why would you draft a punter in the fourth round? It's ridiculous. Uh, but it's not. It's nothing against McGlinchey. He's a fine punter. You already have him now. So that's a, that draft pick is a sunk cost. You have a fine punter. McGlinchey's fine. But don't draft a punter in the fourth round. So, But that's kind of the same uh, idea with Mike McGlinchey. Maybe he got drafted a little bit too high. Maybe y- you you would like him to be a better pass protector. But not everyone's Trent Williams. So what are you going to do? Right. This is from Mike. He says, people really gloss over losing Robert Sala. Mike LaFleur, John Benton, Joe Woods, former 49ers assistant coaches. You need a coaching staff to win in the NFL, not a single coach. I'd keep Shanahan and spend money on a DB and offensive line coach. What do you guys think? Um, and I think Mike is onto something. And I, I don't, we've talked a lot about Shanahan. There's some more questions about Kyle Shanahan and the coaching staff here. Getting Shanahan help, I think, is important. I think it's important for. Maybe John Lynch and especially ownership, right? Uh, Jed York to say, look, you're our coach. We're not firing you. You're not on the hot seat. And not say, hey, do you think we could, you need some help here? We're going to get you help. So do you want a team president? Do you want an assistant head coach? Do you want a DB coach? Do you want an offensive line coach? Which coach do you want? Because we are going to get you help and you don't have a choice in the matter. Like, I'm the owner of this team. Uh, it, it's not, you, you need help, and so we're going to help you out. And and so that's the question to me is, is, is what do you add to the coaching staff? What do you add to the front office to help the current situation? What do you subtract maybe from that current situation? It's not all about Kyle Shanahan, even though, you know, it's he's at the top and, and he's in charge. And if there's one person to point at, it's Kyle Shanahan. But as ownership and as the GM and John Lynch, you get together, you have some offseason meetings, find out how to improve the entire group top to bottom, scouting staff, coaching staff, front office, improve the whole thing, and it'll make the whole structure more sound. I I have to push back a little bit. And, and again, now, when I say this, I'm only speaking on my experiences. But as far as me playing at the professional level, I think like coaching like a DB coach or I think it's a little overrated. Most of these guys are actually pretty good. Most of them are like really knowledgeable, right? Um, I haven't been a part of an organization where the cornerback coach or DB coach was just clueless at any level. So I think we talk about that because maybe things aren't going the way they want, but I don't know how much like Joe Woods, as opposed to whoever the DB coach is now moves the needle. I don't think it moves the needle as much as, people think at the end of the day you just need everything to kind of be working in your favor at the right time and more times than not that's not the case when it comes to defense right now there's so many different ways to really attack defenses you just got to hope that really your front and the 49ers have built their team that way can your front just be you know be very disruptive I think out of everything we've talked about that's been the biggest difference right now the front the the 49ers pass rush is not nearly as disruptive as they right. typically are. And then in the run game, if you're if your guys up front in the middle aren't doing a really good job of, you know, kind of manhandling guys up front and clearing the way for the linebackers to come through and clean things up, then it starts to get muddy for even them and messes up the second level guys. So I think more than anything is just the personnel might be a little bit off as opposed to maybe just purely coaching. Yeah. Like, yeah. like what can what can one receiver coach teach Debo and these guys that Wes Welker just can't, you know what I'm saying? That that Wes Welker has not seen or doesn't understand. You see what I'm saying? Being tall. <laughs> <laughs> how should I run this route on the outside? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I can show you how to do a did whip route. Did he play with Randy slot. Moss? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, he did. 
Like be six four and run a four two. Yeah, just go up and get it. <laughs> I mean, but just the knowledge that you get from because yeah. even me being in meetings. I remember being in sitting in meetings with Darrell Revis right next to me and Antonio Camardi. You learn something from that, regardless of if you can do what they can or you can't. Yeah. Sure. You're still learning. You're able to kind of pick their mind and take notes, like or at least mental notes, right? So it's not. I don't think like a position coach, at least in my experience, moves the needle as much as people think. Is this why, you know, we're talking about the secondary a lot here. Is this why, you know, you bring in a Josh Norman or somebody like that. So you have these two young rookies in Thomas and, and, and Lenore that are just kind of not doing anything, you know, that, that you drafted, that you expected to get some play out of this year. And you're not getting that. So is it, is it are they not getting enough in the film room? Are they not learning enough from these other guys? Or are they just straight up not ready? Like, is it? Yeah. Well, Amber Thomas is not ready to play. But yeah. I think aside from him, as long as if you want your secondary to, to look good consistently, you need a good pass rush. You need to move quarterbacks off of their spots. You need to make quarterbacks uncomfortable. Now, the tough thing is, especially with the 49ers against the Arizona Cardinals, is it wasn't really just downfield passes. On uh, There were a couple on the secondary. But it's like, well, I got Hufunga out in space, yeah. and they're attacking him a specific way because they know they can beat him with speed. With Kirk, yeah, that hurts you. But, well, it's not supposed to be Hufunga there. It's supposed to be right. more of a, a ward or a tart. And not to say that they don't have their mishaps, but it won't be because of that, like what happened there. You know, it's just the 49ers are kind of in a disadvantage, too, with the injuries. But how they got stretched uh, horizontally, like that's, mm. that's okay, I need my linebackers running to the ball. Yeah. You know, uh, things like that could help. That was hard to watch, for sure. Yeah, so yeah, sort of combination of things. And if, if you're setting the edge better and containing uh, the edge, and, and I think Bosa did get beat a few times like that, um, there was one play for sure that was lackadaisical effort from Bosa, it looked like to me, and he just kind of let the running back go by, and maybe he guessed one side or the other, or maybe he didn't see it. It was almost like he didn't realize the running back was coming his way or something. And But uh, essentially, if you are, and I think kudos to the coaching staff on the other side, Cliff Kingsbury, he got his running back out in a position to be tackled by corners. Right. And that's kind of ideally what you want, right? You want a corner to have to square up your running back. And what was the famous quote? Who was the coach that said, we don't block corners, we block safeties because corners can't tackle anyway? But it was more than just the corners missing tackles in this game. So whether it was the, the offensive scheme that was creating some of these plays or if it was uh, the defensive front not taking on enough blocks or the uh, the linebackers that weren't firing or the safeties that weren't firing on the ball quick enough or taking bad angles or whatever. Like it was just a, a combination of all those things. But Croc, it sounds like you're pointing a finger more at the front office than the coaching staff as it pertains to the 49ers problems as a whole. Right? Well, yeah. Well, but but part, part of it is, well, we're supposed to have a healthy Javon Kenlock. We're supposed exactly. to have a healthy D4, you know, and you, you start missing guys like that that are supposed to be pivotal parts of your, your front that's supposed to help be very disruptive. That's where you run into issues. Now, you could say it's on the front office for drafting a Kenlock with a bad knee or kind of relying on a D4 with a bad back and not really addressing that outside of Ebucam. So, you know, those are kind of issues that they've kind of created, but – yeah, as far as the coaching goes, like which is what he's pointing to, there are don't get me wrong, there are some coaches where it's like, damn, this DB coach is really good, but I don't think it it moves the needle to the extent of what most people think when they think of a position coach because most of these guys are high level thinkers, are really good. Matter of fact, you look at the the Patriots, they they don't even want you to be a coach when they get you. They want to they want to coach up the coaches 
to coach how they want them to. So mm-hmm. there's that way as well. Their cornerback coach, last time I checked, was a lacrosse coach, was a lacrosse <laughs> player. Wasn't even a, 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 a real cornerback or never played the position. He just learned something from Bill Belichick. You know, you mentioned Kinlaw, and that goes back to the front office. I mean, look, look back two years ago, you know, two or three seasons ago, how much different this 49er football team was. They had to force Buckner in the middle. They had him pressuring the quarterback. They had him taking on extra blockers. It, 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 that, to me, is still the biggest mishap in the 49ers front office is picking Armstead instead of Buckner, essentially, because that you, – you mentioned it. They're not getting that presence in the middle. They don't have that force. They went after Kinlaw. They thought, okay, yeah. This is he's going to be the next Buckner. Well, he hasn't been, and he hasn't been healthy. And he hasn't been able to stay out there. And that, that, to me, is the biggest difference in, in this 49ers football team over the last couple seasons. And how reliable DeForest Buckner was, too. Out there every you know, week, leaders, yeah. And leaders, so here's another one, and this, this is a thing that a lot of people have pointed to, especially since uh, Joe Staley has brought it up, about leadership. And um, I think I want to get into this next, about leadership, some things that are missing that we don't really see on a down-in, down-out basis that might be the the hidden the 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 hidden secret to why the 49ers might be losing right now leadership is one energy might be another and so there's a couple of uh listeners that have pointed out these things i want to run these by you guys next if you haven't tried build bars yet i don't know what you're doing you are missing out they say it's a protein bar but it's not taste like one you have to try one of these amazing bars for yourself to believe it most protein bars can be chalky waxy just plain hard to choke down Built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate. And when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience and one that you will enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're actually eating a candy bar and not a healthy protein bar. Built Bars are low in carbs, low in calories, low in fat, low in sugar, and high in protein. So you stay satisfied and they are healthy with benefits on top of just being purely delicious with so many flavors. They've got a mystery flavor, by the way, this month at Built.com. One of my favorite new flavors, blueberry muffin, coconut marshmallow, coconut brownie chunk seems to be extremely popular, especially with the locked on hosts. So go to Built.com, get a mixed box. If you don't know which flavor to try, you will not be disappointed. And you can get 15% off at Built.com using promo code LOCKED15. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built. Com. Numerous listeners have pointed out the loss of Robert Sala, not from a scheme perspective, but from an energy perspective. Are the 49ers missing energy? Are they missing energy from someone like Robert Sala? Are they missing energy from Joe Staley and DeForest Buckner and leadership from you know uh, Buckner and Staley and Richard Sherman and guys that were there on the Super Bowl roster that are not currently on the roster? Is there stuff that wouldn't even show up on game film that the 49ers are missing right now because of some of those types of losses. Yes. Simple. <laughs> it seems like well, it has to be leadership for sure. Something's missing. Yeah. And it's, I watched what uh, uh, D'Amico Ryan's though. I watched him mic'd up and he looked like he had plenty of energy. Mm-hmm. He was bouncing around. He was yelling. He was high-fiving uh, players at practice. Now maybe he tapered off from that. Maybe that was just for the cameras, but if that's what he typically is, which it sounds like I heard other people say, no, that's that's how D'Amico Ryan is. If, if that's him, then it's not a lack of energy from him. It could just be, well, you guys got me at Ebicam and he can't cut it. Well, yeah. you got Ken Law, he's not there, so I got somebody else, a random person in there. That's not doing it for us. Well, you know, I lost Greenlaw. Maybe he was more important than we thought. Well, I lost both of my safeties. 
and I lost Jason Verrett. It's tough for me to overcome all this and mask all this. That could be more of the, the yeah. issue when it comes to the defense. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you listed a lot of important players on that 49er defense that have missed significant time. So, I mean, you don't want to harp on injuries. Every team's got them. But, you know, when, when you lose both your strong safeties and you go out and you get beat like you did against a, a team you expected to beat in the Cardinals. Real quick on that, I was getting really frustrated leading up to the game. People on Twitter were being like, oh, should we even count this as a win when the 49ers beat the Cardinals since they didn't have all their top players? like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, win the win. Like, you, you take everything. Like, and then you go out and lose, and it's like, this is why you don't ever talk like that. Like, what, what are you saying? But luckily, if you think that way, you, you don't count it as a loss either. So, that's yeah, yeah. You, they already won. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, last one here on, on Shanahan and the coaching staff. Michael says, listening to at BD Peacock and at Eric underscore Crocker on the Locked On Pod, while the love for Kyle has waned in the past seasons, what other available coaches out there that you'd rather have than Kyle? Brian Dable, Eric Bieniemy, Lincoln Riley. Give me Kyle over those guys. And, Croc, you said you wanted to touch on this on today's podcast. So so what are your thoughts there? Because when I see names like Joe Brady and Brian Dable and some offensive wizards, you know, I think, well, that's exactly what Kyle Shanahan was. So if you hired one of these guys, you'd get a different human being in there. But you're getting the same type of guy, a young coach that is a really good offensive coordinator, but you don't know what type of head coach he's going to be. So, so much is built on the rest of the coaching staff, as we've talked about, and who his GM is going to be. And, um, and there's so many other factors in this that come along with becoming a head coach from being an offensive coordinator. So wouldn't you be just starting the clock over with the same type of hire as Kyle Shanahan with those guys? So I understand where Kyle or where Michael is coming from on this, but I think, Croc, you look at it, a little bit differently when it comes to, you know, uh, potentially replacing Kyle Shanahan. And we know he's not going to get replaced this year necessarily. Right. Well, I, I listened to this podcast is this guy, Andy Frisella. And if you guys don't listen to him, I, I suggest you do, especially if you are more of an entrepreneur uh, mind type guy and whatnot, but Andy Frisella said something. I, I listened to this podcast about a, a month ago or so, and it just stuck with me. And he said, people overvalue their current circumstances too much. So what are the 49ers' current circumstances that we're overvaluing with Kyle Shanahan? He's coached the team to one winning season and going on five years. So I don't think that it's that we can't do better. Clearly, you have to find like that coach or that that fit or, you know, probably, I mean, you know, John Lynch will probably have to go too. You'll have to potentially pair him with a different GM that, you know, whatever the case is, but you figure it out. It's just like anything else in life, right? Uh, when you're trying to get better, you break up with a girlfriend, right? You're not going to stick with this person because, well, oh man, well, the, the last person I was with, they cheated on me 10 times, but this new girlfriend, she only cheated on me twice. So I'm going to stick with her. Like, no, she's still cheating on you. You can do better than that. <laughs> so when I look at Kyle Shanahan, he's doing a whole lot of cheating on this right now. When we're, we're getting cheated out of winning seasons and I'm not sure what direction he's going to. And I think it makes it more difficult for me. In theory, great coach, right? Offensive mind, wizard. All that good stuff. Everybody's using his offense, right? That really kind of came from um, the guy his from dad. his dad and, <laughs> and the other one from the, like, the Broncos. Kubiak, yeah. Or, uh, or the Vikings, whatever. But, like, yeah, everybody's using that offense. Wizard, Kyle Shanahan, Tree, it's expanding. But it's missing something because it ain't resulting in wins. I think the 49er fans will quote some Pearl Jam on that and be like, can't find a better man, right? To me, to me, it's it, – it, <laughs> 
it, remember where we came from, right? I mean, it's like they they restarted. You know, they brought in Lynch, they brought in Shanahan, and it was it was ugly. It was nasty. And three years later, they're in the Super Bowl. You know, so, and then the next year is injuries, and now it's like, well, now there's not really an excuse. You know, it's like, yeah, there's injuries, but again, everybody has injuries. So, like, I think the the 49er fan base, you know, you you start really low, and you're you're so you're so out of it, and so, and then he leads you to the Super Bowl. You know, yeah, you lose, but oh, we'll get back, and then the next year injuries, and then this year it's like, ah, oh. so it's like you keep you keep waiting for that again, right? You you have that one that one like you said that one girlfriend is like, well, we had that amazing time together, we had that amazing trip, you know, and it was it was beautiful, and it was. And we'll get there again but it's like will you you know like uh, she moved on bro i know i know it's hard because i'm a big kyle guy you know it's hard for me to to sit back i know i know but i've been unwavered but look i'm wavered now so that's a crazy thing i i i think he's the guy but like it's like what do they say uh don't piss on me and tell me it's raining like (laughs) 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 i think he's the guy but i think right now and the fans, everybody, oh, well, you can't do better than him. And it's like, man, if we can't do better than a coach that's leading us to one winning season in five years, then I don't, I don't you know. Just, you don't want him to go somewhere else, you know, and just win like three Super Bowls. You know, it's that whole thing of like, I don't want him to go somewhere else because I know he, he can do it. Croc out here convincing 49ers fans to download the uh, dating apps and start swiping left and right. <laughs> Unhappy swipe. <laughs> like, can, I, hmm, can I do better? You can do better, guys. I promise you can do better. Oh, man. I hope none of the listeners out there are uh, driving in a car with their girlfriend right now listening to this podcast because she's hey, bro, staring at him. You can do him. better. You can do better. <laughs> is is and, this you he's talking about? And you is know what? You? And you know what, ladies? Maybe you can do better, too. Like, this yeah, is, there you go. This goes both ways. <laughs> Fellas out there, are you doing enough? Are you doing everything you need to to hold on to this lady? That's a. Uh, do not overvalue your current circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's a good place to end this. I do want to shout out Bruce, who had a good point, and it was kind of to your point earlier, Wink. He said, interesting stat, the Niners lead the league in opponents' fumbles at two per game. Yay, but they are at the bottom of the league in fumble recovery percentage at 25%. The Cardinals, by comparison, lead the league at 75%. Bad bounces, Coaching or grit? Uh, you can't coach the bounces. No. So I think there is there is that sort of unknown luck thing that is, is kind of biting the 49ers right now, and the ball is oblong, and it bounces funny. And you're right. The ball just doesn't seem to bounce to the 49ers right now. So maybe that'll turn. A lot turn. of season left. Yeah, maybe that'll turn in the second half. A tale of two halves. But uh, I know there is some optimism from Wink. Croc is out here swiping – Left and right on different coaches <laughs> in the league. We will uh, we will find out what this team looks like. A big time game with a big time opponent in the Los Angeles Rams coming up. Can Shanahan continue his domination of Sean McVay? We will find out more coverage on Week Ten. We got Sosa Cremendous coming up on a crossover episode with Locked On Rams tomorrow, and then our keys to victory Friday. So stay tuned, and thanks for making us your first. Listen, and by the way, check out Croc on Locked On NFL Draft every day. I'm with Matt Williamson on the Peacock and Williamson NFL podcast every day. We're, we're two-timing here on 
the Locked On Podcast Network. So thanks for making us your first listen at Locked On 49ers, and you know where to go for your second and third listens right here on the network as well. Then go get yourself some Hardinas de San Juan as well and, and say hi to Mr. Winkler. And we'll be back tomorrow Bye. right here, Locked On 49ers. See you.